are you trying to work with colleagues remotely today? Maybe their office is even in another country. At my consultancy Inventium, literally every day involves remote or virtual collaboration. So how can you create that same working chemistry and vibe that's usually generated through face-to-face -face contact? Is it even possible? Organisational psychologist and Wharton professor Adam Grant says that yes, it absolutely is. My name is Dr. Amantha Imber. I'm an organisational psychologist and the founder of behavioural science consultancy Inventium. And this is How I Work, a show about how to help you do your best work. On today's My Favourite Tip episode, we go back to an interview from the past and I pick out my favourite tip from the interview. In today's show, I've selected an extract from my chat with Adam Grant, where we chat about remote collaboration, which even before COVID hit, a lot of Adam's work involved working with teams remotely. So let's find out some of the strategies that Adam uses to improve the success of virtual collaboration. So burstiness is, is a place to start. Uh, this is research by Chris Riedel and Anita Woolley, where they studied remote software teams. And they found that there are two kinds of communication patterns in remote collaboration. One is high frequency, relatively low intensity. Like we talk every day or we have emails kind of going every hour. The other is the opposite. It's low frequency, high intensity. We don't talk for a week and then we have a two hour jam session. And they wanted to know which model is more productive and more creative and whenever I present this, I, this is something I've been talking a lot with, with founders and CEOs about. Whenever I present it, they say, overwhelmingly, over 80% of the people I've asked have said, you want high frequency. You need to stay in touch. You need to be on the same page in order to work effectively with people. And the data showed the exact opposite, that the more productive and creative remote collaborations are low frequency, high intensity. And what, what seems to be going on there is a couple of things. One, when people are you know, communicating only intermittently, they actually have time to get their own individual work done and to move ideas forward. And two, when they do then come together to collaborate, they're working with much better material and they're also more motivated. I thought that that meant, okay, they're going to be excited to build on each other's ideas. But the data tell a slightly different story, which is that it is energizing to know that other people are there waiting to respond to you. And the pattern of burstiness is the sense that the collaboration is literally bursting with energy and ideas. And the way you get that, you don't need to be in the same physical space to get that. What helps, though, is being in the same temporal space, right? Having your calendar synced so that there are at least some hours here and there where you're online at the same time and you can actually work together in real time. And Amantha, part of the reason this resonated with me is it's how I've collaborated since, gosh, at least 15 years ago when I had a mentor, Jane Dutton, who would work on papers with, with her former students. So Jane was at the University of Michigan where I was in grad school. Her former students would graduate and go across the country or to another continent. And they would stay in touch. They'd have occasional phone calls and occasional emails. And then they would fly in and they would do a three-day blitz 
where they just deep dive on a project and they sit side by side writing and they basically spend every waking hour together. And then they go off and they don't interact that much for a month or two. And you're really getting the best of both worlds in that model of, of independent thinking and then collaborative contribution. And so that's a model for how I structure my remote collaboration. Do we really need face-to-face collaboration to optimize problem solving and creative thinking? I mean, there's so many businesses here in Australia that are insisting that people go back to the office. We're not in lockdown here anymore. But do we need it? Like, is there something special that we get from face-to-face collaboration based on, on the research that we just can't get from virtual collaboration? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> That's not the answer I was looking for, Adam. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the only empirical answer I have right now. What I can tell you is this seems to be true in pairs and also in teams, that trust builds faster and it also builds deeper when people are face-to-face. But what do we take away from that? I don't know. Does that mean we are evolutionarily wired to need to be in the same physical space as other people in order to trust them? That we need to be able to potentially touch them? Is that just how we've always done it? And so we're most comfortable trusting under those circumstances? Or is it the case that up until now, and maybe not until three years from now, (laughs) the technology just hasn't been there? And so virtual has been just an awful proxy for face-to-face. And when we get to the point where we're kind of lifelike holograms, maybe face-to-face becomes irrelevant. And maybe for some people, touch is important. And for others, it's not. I don't know. But I don't think there's anything about human psychology that leaves me convinced that we have to be physically in the same room to trust each other and collaborate effectively. I think there are aspects of being physically co-located that maybe grease the wheels of trust a little bit and make it easier. But I I think that gap is going to shrink as technology gets better. And also as we get more comfortable, really trusting people that we've never met face to face. Yeah, I know that Jane Dutton was one of your mentors. And she's obviously very well known for writing and researching about high quality connections. I'm curious as to how you use her work when you're collaborating with new people in terms of, I guess, fast tracking human connection. Well, Jane does a rapid high-quality connection exercise where she I've been using this in class for years ever since she t- had me do it as a student. She, she says, just pair up with someone that you haven't met in class yet or if you've met everyone, like somebody you don't know well, and then you each have a minute to try to build a high-quality connection with the other person. And it's stunning to see how quick it happens People are often amazed by their kind of their intuitive social intelligence when it comes to finding strategies to do it. And I think the, the strategies that seem to work are, are backed up by decades of evidence in psychology. One is self-disclosure, where, you know, where people make themselves vulnerable. And what that actually <laughs> that helps the, the person who's sharing as much or more than the person who's listening. Because when I tell you something personal about me, then I am signaling to myself, well, I must trust you. Otherwise, why the hell did I just tell you that? What am I thinking? (laughs) This is a dangerous decision here. I should probably rethink it. So that happens a lot. There's a lot of people searching for uncommon commonalities, you know, things they share that are rare and people bond in those ways. I think though, for me, the, the key ingredient there is that the exercise is set up so that 
you just erase uncertainty that the other person wants to connect. And knowing that I'm going to talk to you for a minute and we share a goal of having a high quality interaction, it, it dramatically lowers anxiety. And it also, it leads people to, to do, oh, I guess the Gottmans would call them like their bids, right? I make an offer, uh, a gesture to say, hey, I'm, I'm seeking your friendship or your trust. And I know you're going to reciprocate and you're eager to do that. And then it kind of spirals from there. It's like when the beginning of a first date goes really well and you stop questioning whether the other person likes you. So I guess th this is all to say, <laughs> I've, I've tried to think about these principles in, in some of my new virtual collaborations. To, like, I've, I've just tried to put it out there. Like, hey, <laughs> we're going to be working together. It's important to me that we trust each other. And so I'm going to tell you something that I don't normally share. That is it for today's show. Uh, if you are enjoying how I work and this content, you might want to connect with me on the socials where I share heaps more content. So find me on LinkedIn, just search for Amantha Imba and just write me a note to say that you found me through the show or find me on Twitter at Amantha or on Instagram where I'm starting to post a bit more content. Uh, and you can find me there at Amantha I. How I Work is produced by Inventium with production support from Dead Set Studios. And thank you to Martin Imber, who does the audio mix for every episode and makes everything sound a whole lot better. See you next time.